It's already set up. It has a rustic quality to it. Yeah. Now, these are American Indian stereotypes that the real Native American doesn't seem to mind. He knows that that's the way it is in Hollywood, and he plays along with that, you know? Right. It's a shame. It's a shame what uh, happened to those people, uh, and it's a shame, it's a shame, it's a shame. <laughs> I, I hate that we call them Indians because it's like we made a mistake, we named you wrong, we know we're in the wrong, but we're still going to call you that. We don't care. It's terrible. Oh, I didn't name it wrong. Thank you, Mike. You're one of the. It was Christopher ones. Columbus. It was Christopher Columbus, right? And the, take take it up with him. Okay. Now, there's some funny dialogue going on here because it's Robert Downey Jr. Right, but it's too late. I should have played it from the start for you to get it all. So, but I'll, I'll give you some audio when he does. He's right, got no funny lines throughout, and he does a good job, Robert Downey Jr. So the actress, is he going to be in the Indian uh, yeah. uh, documentary as well, Native American? Yeah. Charlie Schlater, how dare you? And with a washboard. Okay, now um, Tyrell Cox is falling in – no, no, his name is Tyrell in the film. Tony Cox is falling in love with the sheep. Now we have a not-so-funny thing in which Robert Downey Jr. is doing his lines, and a sheep is on the side going, eh, like as if he's a critic. Maybe it's funny. Let me let you judge. Did they add the sound effect? It's a real sheep. One thing I like about Robert Downey Sr. is that he can be silly in his films, you know, and have a break character or what have you. Yeah. So apparently Tyrell bang the sheep, kisses him goodbye, and tells him don't tell anybody. Okay, so I'm not clear. I think this is the porno part. Oh, yeah, I got to play this. Okay. He shuts him down and watch how Junior handles it. It's really funny. Answer down. <laughs> if we weren't going for a PG rate, and I tell you to go fuck yourself. Now look, he says the same line again. <laughs> Mo freaks out. Anyway, it's good. He's funny. 
And this film is not good. Don't get me wrong. This film is not good. But well, you know, yeah, I he's mean, a shining with... star in in the middle of. He's a diamond in the very rough ass rough. When you're a film director, or even like a movie star, and you write a screenplay where it's about the film industry, mm. you know, there's there's this certain sense of not detachment, but you know, it's like looking up your own butthole. So you <laughs> would hope something good comes out of the film. Like there's a point to it. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's no point to this film. It doesn't. Uh, uh, it's a. St- I don't know. It's a story onto its own. It doesn't have any moral. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's you know it's the love of filmmaking and the importance of pornography in the industry, and you know. But you would think it would be something if it was that. It's funny right now, but I won't play you. We can't just play you all the audio, but right. You would think it would like Martin Mull could have been like um, realizing I'm compromising my integrity, and then you know make some dramatic move to satisfy everybody and still make it art, you know, but that doesn't really happen. Yeah. Now we're getting uh, big dick, little dick jokes, and Edie's all over that. Meg likes it too, but I think she's she's being an actress. The prop department looks like I like a raise after this movie. Yeah. Um, Wolf Diggler, you know, a junior, he had like one of those baby <laughs> corns from the Chinese food restaurant. And yeah. that was the joke. The real uh, Native Americans got the real corn. And uh, got it right here. There's some bunnies that fertilize the corn, and now we're going to see a bunny dance. I don't know. They think it's very funny, but it's. I don't know. It's it's historically accurate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is rated R for nudity and language. It's 82 minutes. It was distributed by the Vista organization very poorly. Uh, Van Dyke Parks did the music. Who's that? Robert yeah. Yeoman did the cinematography. Never so heard of Van, Van, Van Park Dyke's, uh, he's kind of known for uh, co-writing oh. Smile with uh, the Beach Boys with uh, Dennis Willis and Brian Wilson. You know he's this, a, then. Yeah, uh-huh. I know this guy. He's kind of a, he's a folky, he's kind of like a, I don't know, he's sarcastic sarcastic songwriter. Van so, Dyke you know, Parks. Yeah. He, even though he did the music, uh, Martin Mull and, oh no, Van Dyke Parks and Martin Mull together wrote Halloween at the Bunker, Happy Halloween, and Indian Farming Techniques was also a song written by Van Dyke Parks and, and uh, Martin Mull, but also his wife, Wendy Mull, uh, co-wrote it. Well, you know, he, he had albums. You remember those Martin Mull comedy albums? Yes, Sacks Martin Mull violence. was a comedic uh, musician before he was uh, just an actor. Um, now, what, do you think it was Fernwood Tonight that kind of propelled him? Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman? Yeah, he first became known for his role in Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Now, I never saw Fernwood, too, but that became much bigger for him. 
Um, yeah, we know him, like he was in Clue in 85 and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And, you know, we know him. Yeah, we know him. He was in Roseanne for a while. That's right. He was like the gay boss or something like that. Leon Karp on Roseanne. He would go on to be on Arrested Development and stuff. But Moe broke into show business as a songwriter writing Jane Morgan's 1970s country single, A Girl Named Johnny Cash. Now, you know Johnny Cash did a boy huh. named Sue. It was a joke on that. Right. It only reached number 61 on the Billboard charts, but now he had something to say. He had a resume. He did a lot of live there gigs. A There's a song called The Girl Named Johnny Cash. There, that's right, and it made number 61 on the Billboard country <laughs> charts in 1970. I never knew that. Yeah. Good to know. Oh, well, he did He did these notable gigs. Like, he would do... He, okay. Uh, he opened for Randy Newman at the Boston Symphony Hall in 73. Frank Zappa in 73. Billy Joel in Wilkes Fair, Pennsylvania, 74. Bruce Springsteen in Maryland at the Shady Grove Music Fair. How what a lucky guy! <laughs> he got to perform for like uh, Zappa and Springsteen. Well, not for them, but yeah, opening for them. Yeah, opening. I'm sure they were in their dressing room, not watching Martin Mull. Um. But for, you know, the first half of the 1970s, he was best known as a musical comedian, um, live in studio recordings. Yeah, well, he, you know, in the 80s, too, he had the uh, history of white people. Right. Which is probably around this time. Okay, so I guess we're doing a porno musical now. Let's see. Yeah. See, the, the porno is about Nazi Germany and sex during it. I don't know. There is always this Halloween, myth. right? What? Yes. Halloween? That's right. There will be a Halloween part. Oh, that's funny. So together, it's even funnier. I guess. I don't know. Like, I never thought... As you go back in time, like the 80s, you know, the World War II was, you know, less than 40 years ago. Was, right. You know, and so, like, you, as we go forward, and I mean, it's 1966, and you're seeing Star Trek, and they got the Nazis on it. I mean, it was more popular back then, just like Nam used to be a, I don't know, as more time goes past, I think we can realize that. I don't know. It's not so funny. I don't know. Well, no, I, well, my attitude is that it's now the disposable income comes from, like, white supremacy. Like, you know, white supremacy need entertainment. So there's a one point where you're shocking, and one point is that you're signifying the war, and there's one point where you're signifying wars that are occurring, and there's one point where you're just completely pandering to a crowd that, you know, uh, takes it at face value and appreciates it as such. You know what I mean? You so mean like, it's like, okay, lo lots of people do Nazis, so we'll do Nazis. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, you know, like people are Nazis and people need to be entertained. And so your show has all this kind of exploitative stuff, but it kind of panders to that crowd and the crowd. No, no. You're saying that you think 
people do Nazi stuff to really appeal to real regular people. Like, yeah, yeah. Nazis, I'm into it. No way. Yeah. Yeah. No way. They throw their money in that. Yeah, no. I totally believe. Who who identifies as a Nazi except for kooks in this country? Jimmy Fallon? No, I don't know. I can't think of anyone. Well, but, you Jimmy know, Fallon like, is not a good example. But no, there's like the TV shows where there'll be like an exploitive thing, like where there's like Nazis or white supremacy or this and that. And then I just feel like they're just kind of targeting that crowd anyway. It's not really like you're saying out. they're not making fun of white supremacists. They're secretly reaching out to a white supremacist audience. Yeah, well, a little there are not white supremacists. Mike, do you think that there are white supremacists in San Francisco? Maybe. Sure. Yeah. You do? Yeah, they're my boss. Is a white supremacist wants to see a world of only white people? Yeah, Jack Dorsey from Twitter. <laughs> All right, I uh, guess your uh, mind is made up. I do not yeah. see this subculture that you see. Well, I just feel like you know the, these jokes about Hitler, like it, it, it just falls flat now because there are people who take this for real and like, you know, the, the you're, you can't no longer like have. Robert Downey Jr. dress up as Hitler and call it a joke. It's just, you know, like you're kind of saying, like, a little more detail, like there might be people into it, you know, who don't find it as a joke. And they, they're, they're glad he dressed up as him. That's all. Okay. Audience, audience, I depart. I want to say that the opinions of Mike Spiegelman are his own. I do not right. think there's a secret group of people out there going, yeah, Nazis, I like it. No way, man. Nobody they have money. Need the fourth they right. need to be entertained. Listen, you know, you need Netflix, Nazi flicks. <laughs> Nazi flicks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is a great ring to it. Okay, so fine. So I'm going to start writing white supremacist material. Uh-huh. Yeah, you'll find an audience for it. Isn't that every open mic you go to anyway now? No, it is not, Michael. There are oh. not white supremacists at every open mic you go to. Okay. Anyway, by the way, we don't go to any more. I got to tell you, I've shut down my mic. Um, but you did. Yes, because we did a comedy fight club. By the way, on the movie you're seeing that the reverend is just more stuff like he's a pervert, you know, and he's claiming. Gotcha. Okay, so there was a comedy fight club, and it was, you know, a roast battle. And... Then two days later, I got a text from this very funny comedian named Mark Henley saying, look, I got COVID. I'm letting everybody know who's around me. And so is Matt, my, you know, who he was like the host of it. Next thing you know, two other people who were at that thing, Dave Namery and Rafael Hernandez, uh, no, Jesse Montanez, very funny comedians. They've got it now. Now my co-host Yusuf has it. Um, oh, my God. And... Uh, Another guy who I'm not going to say his name because he never said to, you know, he's not public on Facebook about it or anything. The, the so that, other names are. So that's four to five to six people in our local comedy community who have it. Now, the first thing I want to say is they didn't come to my open mic and pick it up. We started in July and there was no COVID in our lives till December. So nice. I was not acting irresponsibly spreading COVID. As a matter of fact, as soon as I got a whiff of this COVID, I'm shutting it down. We're not doing our mic anymore until we're gotcha. healthy again. Maybe we'll see you in February. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Oh, I appreciate that, Carl. Yeah, I, you've always done it safely. Like, you always took it seriously. And, uh, 
I, I think now that you see there's an issue going, the people are getting it for reals. But yeah, uh, for real. Yeah. So if it was July, August, September, and it was for real, I would have shut down then, but it wasn't. Uh, I was getting a lot of shame from guys like you and others. Like me. Well, because yeah. I, I also, I, I think, you know, you, you also aim your audiences for white supremacists, too. Uh, I, I... <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so transparent. Okay, yeah. what's going on now is the reverend himself is going to show up and shut this thing down. He's even going to burn the barn down. And we're wow, going to learn literally. that Mona is actually, oh, here's the rented lips line. Rented lips. Oh, there you go. So Mona was used to date the Reverend? Now watch what Martin does. No, it's the daughter. Oh. Landmines. Now, they did that when Robert Downey Jr. was out there. They think that's funny. Um, now, a limo will show up. And, of course, it's a um, Lincoln Town car because it's 1988, right? And that yeah, was classic. the limo of the day. I keep promising this limo. It never shows up. Now, is this because the director was had a day job at the time he was making a movie? Oh, Robert Downey Sr. never had a day job. His day job was drinking. Yeah. Now, listen, his collection of movies that he's done, you know, are just so crazy. Like, yeah. And then, like, normal people wouldn't be able to get away with it. Pound was the one you're talking about. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. was in that at five years old, 1970. Pound, that's right. And at seven, he was in Greaser's Palace, which fans of our show will know. I mean, if we had right. any fans. Um, if they the age, it. we had any fans after showing that movie. Yeah, after showing that movie, we lost. We had one fan. <laughs> right. She gave you money for PlayStation 4. She watched that film and never showed up again. Never showed up again. Um, he was in England at 10 years old studying classic ballet. So drug use didn't slow him down. And um, his parents divorced in 78. He was a teenager. Downey moved to California with his father, but in 82, dropped out of Santa Monica High School, moved back to New York to fulfill a full-time acting career. And check this interesting tidbit. Downey and Kiefer Sutherland yes. were roommates for three years when they moved to Hollywood. That must have been uh, like Party Central. I guess. I mean, here you've got the son of a director and the son of a famous actor. Uh, now, I'm sure Kiefer Sutherland had a much more famous father than Robert Downey Jr., but it's funny how Robert Downey Jr. eclipsed him in terms of fame. I mean, there's nothing, you know, Iron Man, you know. Yeah. No. You know, like, Keither had that 24 TV series. That's pretty lucrative. Yeah, absolutely. He had 24, and then that's it, right? That that's Quib his... He was in that Quibi show. Remember Quibi? He was in The Fugitive. Okay. He probably changed. He'd probably be the fugitive, but he's probably old enough to be like the Tommy Lee Jones guy. Mm -hmm. You remember Quibi? That was a, it closed last year, twenty twenty. It was the uh, Quick Bites uh, original streaming. I, I I don't. 
it was a service that it was the 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 original content was like eight seven minutes long and you were supposed to watch it on your phone oh. okay okay and they had uh uh Kiefer do a remake of uh the the fugitive but it went away now yeah they closed it they lost millions and billions of dollars and uh they shuttered it within within a year Sucks for them. Now, this huh. Kenneth Mars, he can be funny. Let me give you. All right. Now, this is around. another thing like in the 80s, um, evangelical Christianity was kind of new in terms of it being mainstream. And so you saw people making fun of that all the time. Yeah, right. Well, because it was like one of the television options, you know. Right. They own networks. They own satellites. Right. You know? um, it was uh, like uh, lots of Dan Aykroyd bits were the heavy uh, preacher, you know. Yeah. And, um, eventually, it's like you said, it just got to be its own joke. Like, oh, I'm going to be a comedian. Well, then I need to do a, a preacher bit. I need to do, you know, it became a standard. No, now right, we find right. out it's the daughter. Well, Mr. Lisa, I can explain Mr. Lisa. His name's Mona. Her name is Mona Lisa. So he goes, Mr. Lisa. Okay, tell me where you are. I, I accidentally went to so undercover by mistake because my my. <laughs> I am at fifty six. I'm at fifty seven oh one, fifty seven oh two, three, four. Perfect. That is not perfect. You're just saying that. Audience, no. I hope we haven't ruined you. Yeah, if this is the first time listening, then God bless. <laughs> if this episode. is your last time listening, God bless you. <laughs> okay, uh, we're caught up, I think. I don't think so. Okay, you tell me what your seconds is. No, you don't want to know. Okay. because I I'm can. At, call uh, I'm yeah? I'm at 50... 5727. Okay, so I'm going to pause at 40. I'm paused. You tell me when you're 5740. Okay, all right. Sounds good. I can't wait. And then then there's no problem for the rest of this movie. It's smooth sailing. We synced up. Uh, Now, 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 now. Thanks, Mike. That was a great count up. Oh, we're really synced up. Now, I'm the one who's behind. All right. No, you'll catch up. There's something weird. I don't know what's going on. So Tyrell is like, please let me be the one who lights the fire. You know, please let me be the one who burns it down. Hey, yeah, just take me with you, take me with you. It's about right. <laughs> he really scrambled into that car. Wow. Now. So they are burning a barn. <coughs> so they so like, turn really back the on barn the... Burner. Yeah. Now everybody leaves the barn, <clears throat> but remember, Robert Downey Jr. got butt hurt, and so he's going to go back into the barn and do some acting because he wants to be a real actor. But they're not rec- they're not shooting in there anymore, right? Right. It kind of doesn't make sense. Wolf Diggler. Wolf Diggler. He would be stupid enough. Oh, there he is. Wow. Yeah. That is acting. 
I don't know exactly why he's doing what he's doing, but it is funny. You know, it's historically accurate. This is exactly the speech Hitler gave when his bunker burned down. <laughs> I remember watching that Quentin Tarantino film, and he was stuck in the theater. And I was like, yeah. mm, what are they going to do? You know, because, I mean, you know, he, Hitler has to escape and get out for him to go on and, you know, continue yeah. his history. Well, and no, Quentin Tarantino said, screw that. You're not, you're burning you. It didn't you know, make sense. It was such a public relations nightmare for the movie theater because, on the one hand, <coughs> yeah, hundreds of people they got trapped in their theater and it burned to the other hand. But on the other hand, they killed Hitler. That's right. That's their claim yeah. to fame. Yeah. So uh, they what have you done for our world? <laughs> Here at AMC Theaters, we, we have uh, revised or we have made sure that our uh, emergency exits are clearly stated in the back of the room and that it is compliant. On the other hand, we killed Hitler. Yay! Yeah. Okay, now what happens now is the hero's lowest point, of course, and he's quitting. He's gonna. Oh, it's, no. it's amazing how every movie's the same, but yet we don't notice. So now he's at his lowest point and he's gonna quit, and everyone is like, "You're a jerk. You're an asshole," and they all quit on him too, and he's fine with that. Oh well, what about the movie? Uh, no, I mean he's. This reverend is burning down. He's just, he's had enough. Yeah. He's between a rock and a Michael horse. <laughs> 15 years, Arch. 15 year age difference? <laughs> William Shakespeare once said. Yeah, right. So a strange thing. Okay, so he goes to his mom looking for a little sympathy in which she goes, oh, you want me to be your mother? Go to your room. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Hi, Jerry. You want me to be your mommy? Now, something really strange happens now. As you know, the Native American is like somehow the brother. But look at this. Once Martin Mull is out of the way, they start getting busy. It doesn't make sense. What do you mean busy? <laughs> oh. Yeah, the... does that make sense? No, I didn't realize. Wait, the mom and the... the no. Yeah, and the brother. Where did that come from? I don't know, and we'll never see it again. I guess they were just making a ha-ha joke. So now, uh, Martin Mull is looking back at his documentaries. He won a prize for Mr. Sperm Whale. And he's yeah. just going to climb into bed and just make it all go away. You know, his failure. But then... <laughs> yeah. Well, Mona Lisa will show up and go, I love you, and I try to come here and make you the man I could be proud of. And he's like, wait a minute, you love me? Hi, hang on, I have a pillow over my head to, to drown out the sounds of my mom and brother fucking. <laughs> really? That's so weird. Yeah. It's never been brought up again. I know. <laughs> so I want to see Pound. 
And I want to see uh, Mad Magazine presents up the Academy again. Okay, but I thought that was so bad. It was. Well, National uh, Mad Magazine took their name off the movie. Yeah. And Rob Liedman, who was the star, took his name off the main credits. He's not listed in the in the theater. In the I movie. bet you Mad Magazine was like, this is our chance to be like National Lampoon and get into movies. And then they got right. that dog of a film. They said, forget it. Well, because think about it. I mean, it was Mad Magazine was wasn't it owned by Time Warner back in the day in the 80s? I don't know. I don't know. I know that in the they came from humble beginnings in the 50s and they were their yeah. own. Team. Yeah, they got bought out by, back then. I know like they're now owned by uh, uh, DC Comics, I guess, and that they just do reissues like uh, once a year they have an original magazine. But for the most so part, they're milking the cow. Yeah. Oh, here's something little known. We know June Lockhart was Lassie in Lost in Space, but she was also Janet Craig on the CBS television sitcom Petticoat Junction. Petticoat Junction. Yes. What was the deal with Petticoat Junction? It was like a town that had a silo, and it was just the people who who. Yeah, it was like cowboy days, and you had Calamity Jane, and she would wear the fringe leather jacket. It was like what you would watch when you were pretending you were sick and staying home from school. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Lucky you, right? Mm -hmm. This is the best scam ever. I get to watch Petticoat Junction at 11 o'clock. <laughs> I, I would be at school right now like a sucker. You're right. All day long. So Martin Mole's about to get lucky, and it's for the first time ever. He's not going to be a virgin anymore. And he's going to tell that to his... He, when he's leaving the house, Christmas Story house, yeah, the mom. Oh, look, she's got her hand on his crotch for real. Yeah, um, she's leaving the. He's leaving the house. He goes past the teepee, and I guess June Lockhart spent the night with her son in the teepee. And he goes, "I'm not that thing anymore, mom." So actually, it did come up again. Here it is. All right. Now, how did Martin Mull know she was in there? Well, because uh, he must have watched the dailies and saw that scene. <laughs> he must have seen the dailies. Yeah. Oh. Gotta take a pee. So now he's going to admit that he literally loves Charlie. Please take me back. Oh, that's great. But I want to go to Bob's Burgers and get like a hot dog, and I want to be in a crowded <laughs> little. All these places are closed. It drives me crazy. Now they're doing a joke like, "I love you in a manly way." Let's go get yeah. a beer and watch the okay, game. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Now, Robert Downey Sr. and Jr., their original family name was Ellis. It wasn't Downey? Huh. Right, and his father changed his name to enlist in the Army. I don't follow that. Um, also, he has an older sister and a brother, but they Ooh. never pursued. Junior uh, had a brother and sister who, who never pursued it. Right, pursued acting. There's 
There is, I don't think it's a book, but I think it's a movie, but I think it's a book. There's got to be a book in Robert Downey Jr.'s childhood. You know how, like, after the 80s, when it came to the 90s, he just became an, a drug addict with heroin and cocaine and alcohol. He right. just, you know, and he he would go, remember there's that famous story in which he went home and he goes into the neighbor's house and falls asleep. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the Robert Downey Jr. So he was, uh, I think it was early 90s because he probably just won the best Oscar for, uh, actor Oscar for Chaplin. Oh, and yeah, Chaplin. I controlled then. And I know this, the Keemster Sutherland had like a, uh, I don't know, alcohol issue or there was some history with him as well. So maybe them being roommates wasn't a good idea. Yeah, I guess. Or, I mean, if you're young, right, you're in your 20s and you're doing drugs, I mean, if you're having a good time, it's okay. But if you let it become, you know, if you let it wreck you. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Did Kiefer Sutherland, you saying he went on to have a problem as well? Well, yeah, I guess. Like, uh, I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> I'd have to check my old People magazines. <laughs> Not that you can trust People magazine, right? They were always oh, yeah. pop, pop, spin. They were always in Keith or Sutherland's publicist's pocket. <laughs> Look, you see the thing blows up that's supposed to be like girls walk in like Marilyn Monroe and their, their uh, skirts oh, come up. Okay, so while he was getting outed as a pornography filmmaker, um, Charlie was filming, okay, so that they've okay. got him dead to rights admitting it, and they're going to expose him and ruin him. So, you know what I mean? They're they're coercing him to help them finish the film. Oh, so wait a minute. That's not a reverend at all. That's Martin Mull. Right. That's Martin Mull and Charlie Slater. <laughs> I see. I thought it was priests, right? I thought it was Morpheus and Neo coming to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so they look straight out of the Matrix. Matrix Four. Are you the key maker? Are you the key maker? Are you the key maker? Are you the key? Yes, yes, I'm the key maker. Shut up already. This Kenneth Mars was something called Shadows and Fog in 1980, 90, that, and the that... the internet thinks it's a big deal. Shadow of the Fog was a Woody Allen movie, right? Oh, I don't know. I I, I don't know. Yeah. So. Had a lot of shadows and fog in it. Do you remember in Young Frankenstein when the guy was missing his arm? He was playing darts and he pretended to have a perfect, you know, grouping at the. That was no, him. Oh, I remember the eagle in the uh, Muppet Show. <laughs> what does that have to do the, with the baldy? They look. They look alike. Oh, really? Yeah, don't you see? No. Oh, I'm the eagle. Oh, yes, from the yes, yes, I guess. Do, do you remember when he goes, a riot is a disgusting and ugly thing. <laughs> and I think it's about time we had one. That's him. Oh. Do, do, do. I'm singing the Mars from the Hoist the Planet. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Mars was the god of war one. Mars was the yeah, he was angry. He was. was like, do, 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 do. Wait, no, now, now you, uh, da, 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 now you messed me up. Oh, I can't think of the theme. Oh, yeah. I, but I hear that that turned into the Darth Vader 
song. You know, that turned into the Empire part of uh, yeah. Star Wars. He ripped everything off of Star Wars. People don't realize, like, he ripped it off of Joseph Campbell. He ripped off of Hoist. He ripped off of uh, Buck Rock. He ripped everybody off. Well, maybe, like, he knows that he's a film score person. And so he was trying to give you something like God of War <laughs> to me. Yeah. And I, and I need it today. All right. Dud did it. It needs to sound like this. And can you do it right now? Yeah, here it is. We're going to skip this quarter note and put it in 16th. <laughs> okay, so now we're having like sort of like the big finale musical for the the, the G-rated one. Indian, right. The G-rated one. Oh, and Robert Downey Jr. is still in it. Yeah, and he's doing a good job. He's behaving. Do you remember him from New Heart? Uh, yeah, I think so. He was one of the patients. He was always like the wacky patient. Yeah. I, I remember this guy. Uh, I remember one up. time on New Heart, he went to do some, some uh, he was preparing for some test that was going to give him a certification for his work. And he was so nervous, you know, he's a psychological patient, that he had to have Bert, uh, Newhart come along. And the guy started asking questions, and he goes, no, he starts, he says, no, can you, he wants to give his answers in the form of a question like Jeopardy. It was a really funny scene. Okay, never mind. All right. That well, sounds good. Now we're having our big finale. He goes, listen, I have worked with many, many people as my career as a director, and you people are certainly some of those people. So let's shoot! <laughs> Action! Martin is typing away. I love this. It's going to sound great on the screen. Now, we're seeing a very bad print, right? I mean, it just yeah. doesn't look good. It might be that this film would be much better if you could see clearly and you weren't thinking of it as low budget. You mean like when the pandemic ends, you're going to go up to a revival house and go, you should really put on rented lips. <laughs> Screw it. Make it a senior uh, film festival. Now that we can convene, let us all watch the films of Robert Downey Sr. Now look at that production value, right? I mean, That's they good, spent, yeah. they took their time, and then we see it on this crappy film and we don't appreciate it. It looks about right, though. They're the solid gold dancers. Now, Martin Mull and his wife helped write the song. And, you know, Martin was a musician, so I'm sure it just wasn't the lyrics. Yeah, right. I'm sure this is hysterical. I mean, like, if you walked into the set during the shooting, you'd be like, this looks great. Keep it up. <laughs> I can't you know, wait this, to um, see the results. This Dick Sean, right? This is something interesting. He used to guest host on Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. But on January 1st, 1971, he did the last cigarette commercial on American television for Virginia Slims, and it aired on TV one minute before the cigarette ads were banned, you know, before it went into effect. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. 
1971. Dick Sean, what a way to go. Yeah, well, beforehand, it was like the Flintstones were smoking and yes. uh, Winston. And it wasn't really understood that it was bad. See, people people forget two things. is that Flintstones was a primetime sitcom aimed for adults. Yes. So it wasn't like they were aiming selling breakfast cereal and edible and and edibles. It wasn't a kids show. That's right. And it was in black and white because a lot of times the commercials, you know, a lot of people watch the shows in black and white, and it was just cheaper for the commercials to mm-hmm. keep doing the status quo, you know. So the reason why you had like, you know, the Flintstones was in color, but the the commercials were in black and white. Now, for us personally, for Martin Mull, he was in O.C. and Stiggs. Yeah, that's right. Now, that was one of the first films I ever did with you that I, like, loved and paid attention to. <clears throat> it was National Lampoon, too. Yeah, and I actually, I have a photocopy. I'm going to actually mail it to you, Carl, but of uh, the episode, someone uh, printed it out on the Internet for me uh-huh. of, of the stories, of the original O.C. and Stiggs stories. And there was a Alan Moore comic, you know, Alan Moore, the Watchmen cartoonist. He did uh, something for 2000 AD in the 80s. It was like Q, it was aliens. It was like QC and Quint or something like that. Oh, uh huh. And it was a ripoff of OC and Stiggs. And I have it. It's funny. Stuff. <laughs> ripoff actually, or tribute? It was more of a tribute. You know, it was more of, I think they just, he ran with it, made him aliens. And those characters still exist. I just read like a recent <laughs> 2000 AD comic, and they still use those characters. So are they grown up, or are they like kids? In no, school? they're just like alien teenagers, you know. Mm-hmm. And they get into alien teenager antics. Now, thinking about you, I want to say that Martin Mull was in The Simpsons in one episode. He was um, in this episode called "Dole in the Wind." Yes, I remember. It was Grandpa. Uh, and uh, he met the hippies that slept with his mom. <laughs> and also, for both of us, he was in Get a Life, the Chris yeah. Uh, uh, sitcom. Yeah. Well, he was funny in Arrested Development, too. He played a Gene Parmesan, yeah. who was the world's worst detective. <laughs> okay, so here is one... Thing that was embarrassing, I feel, but maybe I'm wrong. It was 1994 TV movie called How the West Was Fun with Mary Kate and Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> so I would be embarrassed about that, but uh, I don't know. It is showing children how what how the West can be fun. Yeah, that's true. yeah. So it's that it's, it's got that it's, going for it. It's usually for the West is very intimidating to kids that age. So, you know, he was just helping them out. Mm-hmm. His mom's now, in this movie? For, yeah, for some reason, all the cast members in real life start showing up in this, including Jack Riley, um, including June Lockhart. And I guess it's just wrapping. There's um, Junior in the center. And look. Martin Mull is now on his own film for some reason. Great. In a big, huge audience, a big, see, you did it, Martin. 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 
Yeah, look at that. It's so weird. Look, <laughs> and the audience <laughs> loves it. I love the director walked into the scene. Oh, uh, no. It was all a dream. Nah, just kidding. This is the best way to wrap up any movie. Is to have the have the movie itself win awards and everyone's like, Yeah, we made a great movie. It's eating itself. Yeah. So what'd you think? What'd you think? Well, I'm two seconds. I can't understand like why uh, the concept of our show has been going on fine for four years, and then this one movie, I, I it's slow on my thing. I think it's a piece of shit. I mean, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was. Yeah. Let's put it this way: it's a good Robert Downey Sr. movie. It has a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, it's a little. <laughs> Martin wrote it. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it wasn't like Greaser's Paradise. Greaser's. Priestess Palace, he was trying to, I don't know what he was trying to do, but he did it and uh, just didn't have, oh, Spuds McKenzie, look at that. Charlie's sister's dog is Spuds McKenzie. Really? Yeah. I think I would have picked that up in my research. Well, I mean, this film's kind of hard to watch, so I can't now, blame Tyrell you. Tyrell and the Reverend, Kenneth Mars, they're cleaning up. <laughs> yeah. And he gives him a little broom. They're cleaning up. I got, I got you. See, I had to wait a couple of seconds. I don't know it's why they're recording. Their failure, you know, as yeah, they, they were the bad guys, and now they're getting theirs. See, like that's what a good movie does. They give you a storyline. So right. I, I think this is a decent one. Like I think the title is re repulsive, <laughs> uh, and but you know it matches all the wacky Hitler uh, pornography Halloween jokes. You know that's pretty cool. <laughs> It isn't bad. Uh, yeah, it's a decent one. It's uh, one of these days I'm going to find Pound on YouTube and we'll watch that. But yeah, then, I, I really it, cannot wait. <laughs> this is a watchable Robert Downey Sr. movie. It was. Right? It was, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been Rented Lips. Carl, do you, do you like it? You didn't no, like it? I no. liked Robert Downey Jr.'s acting. All that's right. it. All right. That's well, it. that's all we need, really. In the, you know, at least he uh, he did his dad good. So that has been Rented Lips. I hope you guys enjoyed watching the movie uh, in sync with us, uh, even though I wasn't. And uh, we'll be doing this again <laughs> next week, Carl. And I'm very excited to bring up this movie. But before we do, I just want to do a little house cleaning. Uh, this is our third episode of 2021. Uh, last year, we did an episode, and I mentioned Mahjong. We talked about Kung Fu Mahjong. Right. Too, and I mentioned there was a Mahjong movie on uh, Netflix. I got the title of the film wrong. Uh, oh. I got a movie. It's called Mahjong Heroes. I called it Kung Fu Heroes. Okay. Mahjong Heroes from the early 80s. It's just silly on Netflix. It's a very funny Mahjong movie. Uh, we did have an episode last year, uh, Bawana Devil, which was a little bit distorted during this year in 2021. We'll, we'll, we'll rebroadcast it. We'll make it available. We're aware of it. Uh, just want to give a shout out. And we hope you enjoyed America 3000 last week, one of our favorite episodes that was originally distorted, and we were glad to get it out uh, there. So, uh, And then, of course, 
Uh, our last episode of 2020, uh, we want to thank Pam Benjamin for fixing uh, yeah. an online uh, On the fly. error. But it just so happens that we have the full episode without an interruption available on our YouTube channel. So not only can you hear the original uh, crazy live version, which we appreciate, and that's always on the uh, podcast archive page at mediaradio.fm, but that particular episode is also on our YouTube channel, and it's a great introduction to the movies we do, and uh, we talk about all 50 films from 2020. Uh, and we look forward to doing movies here in 2021. So uh, we started off with Playing for Keeps. We watched the Encore America 3000. We just saw Rented Lips. So next week, uh, we are going, staying in the 80s, we're going to be doing 1986's The Morning After with Jane Fonda. The Morning uh, After. Okay. It's a great movie, and it's on YouTube. And uh, here, I'll reenact the trailer. Okay, ready? In the morning. After. Oh, that was great sex, honey. We should, what? You've been murdered? <laughs> Too bad I drank so much. I don't know what's going on. You got to help me, co-star, male co-star who I didn't kill. That's me, I'm Jeff Bridges. The morning after. Not aerobics. TX. Fonda, James. I can't, good. Wait I can't wait to see, see that. that. That looked really good. Sometimes you movie trailer, trailer. And just know this yeah. film is for me. I wow. She had well, killed that guy, but she didn't remember because she had been yeah. drinking. And then there was the Bridges guy. This is going to yeah. be good. It's like the flight attendant, but 30 years ago. <laughs> the morning after the in morning a world after. where it's morning after after well all right well everyone, i hope you uh hope that what's your wish but we'll see you guys next week bye let's watch a full length movie on youtube with Friend, I wrote this song. Uh, my turn ons are satin sheets and weights. Champagne tickles my nose. And I love to paint outdoors. Listen, you should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl, the French duh, not the oh, oh, duh. Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube with more.
are soldiers of God, you must understand. The fate of your country is in your young hands. May God give you strength, do your job real well. If it all was worth it, only time it will tell. In the morning they return with tears in their eyes. The stench of death drifts up to the skies. A young soldier so ill looks at the sky bright, remembers the words thou shalt not at the crowd Nothing can be done to stop the shouting If every tongue was still, the noise would still continue The rocks and stones themselves would start to sing Jay-Z, Jay-Z, won't you fight for 
Hey, that, hey, <clears throat> hey, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, we're hitting uh, Jesus Christ Superstar pretty hard here. Um, I don't know, it's, for me, it's, uh, uh, I, it's a good piece of music. Um, yeah, I was raised Catholic, so, you know, there's that significance, too. Not saying I buy into all of it, but, um, it's, uh, I'm wallowing in my nostalgia right now, but um, I still, it's still kind of a thing that uh, means like spring to me um, as well. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, yeah, we played, uh, yeah, a bunch off that. I can't remember. Hosanna, uh, Overture, um, uh, uh, Everything's All, Everything's Gonna Be All Right, and um, some other one, but. Actually, if you can check that out, it's it's not bad. I, I kind of went a little, a little bright. Anyway, this is Bug House Square. This is Meet You Radio. It's not just radio station. It's a it's a it's a way of life for some, a comedic way of life, a uh, radio way of life, a uh, uh, spoken word radio life. But I'm just doing. I'm just playing records here. This show. That's what this is. Um, but it's on a corner of 21st and Florida in the beautiful Mission, where it's always flat and sometimes sunny. And uh, it's a beautiful day today. We're, it's like the first like kind of real nice day, and sunny-wise. And uh, we've had a little bit of, I'm going to give you fucking weather report. Um, what else did I play? Let me, grab, uh, let me grab these records. Hold on. Okay, that was uh, Sky Pilot we played in there as well. Um, that's uh, Eric Burden and the Animals. We did Radiohead, Kid A, uh, Everything in Its Right Place. We opened up with um, Neil Young off Zuma, uh, Cortez, The Killer. I'm, um oh, I got a bunch of contributors this week. Because it's no lie. <laughs> In the basement, we're miles apart. No surprise, going to rise from the basement. And what it is is people who, uh, home recordists, people who record music in their homes. Uh, a lot of times they put them up in cloud sources, you know, to share with friends and stuff like that. So we ask people who uh, record stuff at their home to give us links and uh, we play some, play most of it, uh, everything that I can, I'm capable of anyway, <laughs> which is not 100%, but, you know, I, I try. So um, what we're going to do is I'm going to bring this over here. I don't want to touch this thing because it's, uh, it's a little crackly. Um, oh, by the way, if you come in through the website, 
we're we're trying to raise dough. Um, there's a donate button there. Um, uh, please help out. A couple bucks uh, is is great. Uh, this is Elizabeth Jane Hansen, and can I tell you a little bit about um, uh, Elizabeth? She was born in Annapolis, Maryland, uh, and it was at an early age that Elizabeth came to grasp the knowledge that her voice would be the passion in her life. She set out to see just how far she could go. It wasn't until after divorce that, 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 that. So Elizabeth Jane Hansen, this song's called Colorblind Blues. And I got to turn that up or touching that. Pretty sure this is Colorblind Blues. Oh, I hope it, uh, all right, so the, the thing's chasing its tail. Um, the pause button came on, but then it went to this. I'm going to try to touch it again. It goes to play, and then back to that. Oh, no. So that's always a drag when it's doing this. I, I thought we, we kind of really had, kind of really had the, uh, internet thing locked in let me try another song um, e, I'm so sorry Elizabeth Jane Hansen wait Like I'm in a trance Can you tell how I feel? I wish you'd give me a chance I feel like such a fool A different person around you My emotions go to extremes From happy to totally blue You just turn me to jelly I feel like a silly schoolgirl. The very sight of you just makes my toes curl. Yeah, you just turn me to jelly. You have this effect on me. I can't even move my body, and I can't even talk 
Yeah, Jesus, just, uh, you know, back off a bit. The Temple, going back to the basement, this is Niwamni, N-I-W-A-N-M-I. If you dig this, they're on SoundCloud. This is fresh, three days old. The song's called Brothers Grimm. And uh, let's do it. I'm touching the the thing, and the the dots are going, and it... um, in a linear fashion, and they're still doing it. I don't know if our connection is Logie today or something, but usually a little, here we go. Brothers Grimm.
Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know how to love him. Going back to the basement, this is Judah Boy, 95. Judy G. McCoy, out of Austin, Texas. If you dig this, look for Judah Boy, 95. This is, I know, production, Death 600. I'm not sure, but uh, let's let's see what it means. Uh, or maybe, maybe it has nothing to do with the song, I don't know. Uh, but uh, the pause button is there. The dots are come back in the linear fashion. Got that turned up. It's still the dots. I think we're a little here. Hey, shouts my guy Def on the beat. You feel me? Death 600. What the fuck you wanna? Death 600. What the fuck you wanna? Death 600. Oh. I know, I know. I can see 
Yeah, Thomas Dolby urges, you know, oh, you know, uh, Children of Eden, Eden, <coughs> this is our uh, next uh, contributor, Children of Eden, as in east of, from La Mirada, California, uh, I think it's, let's see, I can read something a little about them, uh, let me see if I can make it bigger, ooh, Nice. Children of Eden is a band set on doing things the way they were meant to be, jumping through fire, getting burned, and then moving forward, learning to jump through the next fire with better finesse. The L-A-O-C-D-I-Y band takes it, dot, dot, dot. All right, let's do this. This is the kids. That's up. Children of Eden. Dig it. The um, All right, the dots are going. Hold on. We're almost uh, over there. The kids is the name of this one. Children of Eden, if you like them on Saturday. <laughs>
There it was. I'm looking all over for that channel. It was, it's, uh, it's a sub mixer. It's the, uh, the, the fader for, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Again, if you come through the website, <laughs> there's a donate button and a, or a GoFundMe or something like that. And we always can use a few bucks to, uh, um, change a pod on this, uh, New mark. I don't know. We just we kind of burn through these things. They get used so much. Um, I'm gonna try some contact cleaner. Maybe that <laughs> might do something. Go back to the basement. This is Martian Sunsets. Um, Jason Miller out of Oakland. I'm. I I think I'm ready for this now. From from what I can get. Uh, let's see. Uh, um, experiments, sound tests, song ideas. Martian Sunset is Jason uh, Miller's synth organ guitar vocals and co-founder of the uh, Luminarians. Lumerians. Lumerians. Um, Martian Sunsets, if you dig this, on SoundCloud. This is uh, Donner Party. Name of the song. Uh, the dots are going. And um, they're... They're still going. That, that's usually uh, means I got that up. Oh, here we go. Thank you. 
Yeah, that's Can Future Days off the Future Days record. Going back to the basement, this is Flower Flower. Uh Become Animals, the name of this one. This is very fresh. Uh hold on. Let me turn this up. Flower Flower. Uh touching it. The pause button comes and then the the lines of dots going back.
Yeah, it's Devo off their first record, um, <coughs> something, something or other. Um, uh, going back to the basement, this is A slash S slash L. Oh, man, hold on. I can, uh, I can do better than that now that I've, I've – oh, no. Um, hold on. I'm going to do that. This is um, home recordings from Houston, Texas. Uh, 38 FF. I don't know. There's uh, Chris and Matt, maybe. Um, let's go back to that and uh, Shoreline demo. It's electronic. If you dig this, it's A forward slash S forward slash L. So that's how you'd find them. And we'll turn that up. I'm touching this, and the pause button is there. The dots now appear, and they're moving. It's always good when the dots are moving for, for a while, and then here we go. Mm -hmm. 